Okay, good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me as my guest, Anil Chatterjee, who's a partner at Goodwin Proctor. Anil, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I've been a big fan of the program. Oh, thanks. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, so, Neil, tell me, obviously, you've had a very storied career in intellectual property. Tell me a little bit about how you even got into intellectual property in Silicon Valley. Yeah, so um, I, I'm actually a Silicon Valley kid, which I don't think a lot of people can Not claim. a lot. Yes, right. Um, my, my, my family moved here in uh, the early 1970s, and my dad was one of the guys that was responsible for building one of the first supercomputers Wow. Uh, here in Silicon Valley. And I remember in Los Gatos, where I grew up, it was cherry orchards uh, in our backyard that are now multi-million dollar estates. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and I really, I, I lived here while Silicon Valley grew. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and kind of, uh, you know, had a, had a, had a seat to witness it all. Uh, I then went away for law school and, uh, and well for college and then for law school. And, uh, and, uh, I've always had a little bit of the tech bug in mm-hmm. me. Um, were you an engineer or I am not an engineer, oh, uh, which is, uh, a little bit unusual for an IP litigator, yeah. but not totally. Not totally. Uh-huh. And and my foray in intellectual property litigation was um, when I was in college, uh, I went to Dartmouth, and I ran a radio station. Um, it was a fully college commercial radio station, one of the most prominent commercial radio stations that was run by a college in the country. And we mm-hmm. were actually um, number one in our market. I did the morning program uh, for uh, three days a week. Um, and I also ran the station, uh, my senior years as well as for part of, um, my, my Dartmouth had this weird thing where you had to go to school for the summer and, uh, for, for the summer. And while I was there, we got into a dispute with ASCAP and BMI, which are the two <laughs> music writers. Right. And, uh, the, the dispute was fundamentally, um, you might remember a long time ago, they had Casey Kasem's top yeah, of 10. Course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So. Uh, Westwood One Radio Network used to send radio stations these records that would have the top 10 or various shows, and they would put advertising on them. And uh, ASCAP and BMI came to our radio station and said we had to pay royalties uh, to them when we played those records that were designed to be put on the air, uh, that we had to pay them uh, royalties for those Mm. public broadcasts. Mm. And I said, well, did, did... Westwood One pay you royalties? And they said, yes, they did. Um, and I said, well, the only reason these records are made are, are to be put on the air. If they already paid you for it, why do I have to pay mm-hmm, for it? Mm-hmm. Plus, those guys are taking away my advertising revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ASCAP and BMI got very, very aggressive. And uh, I, I won't go through the, 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 the details of what happened. <laughs> okay. But um, ultimately, um, the dispute was resolved by ASCAP and BMI walking away from the deal. Oh, interesting. Uh, and uh, we had lawyers involved, and we had to deal with a whole bunch of complicated issues. And uh, I was trying to think, okay, do I go into radio when I graduate? Do I, uh, do I go into some kind of consulting or law school? And uh, I was uh, – jobs job market was tough at the time, and uh, I decided I'd go to law school, and I went to Vanderbilt Law School. So that was my foray into IP. Oh, interesting. And I actually wrote one of the very first law review articles involving copyright and the internet, um, hmm. talking about how digitizing music made the notion of needing a physical copy less important. Hmm. Um, and so my – even though today I do a lot of weird internet 
litigation, uh, trade secret cases, and patent cases where technology is at the core. Um, my original foray into IP was really in the copyright side and oh, particularly dealing with respect to music. Hmm. Uh, and then my first year in law school, I worked for Magistrate Judge Trumbull in San Jose uh, for free as a extern, basically. And when I was finishing a clerkship at the Colorado Supreme Court, she called me and said, you know, um, I'd like you to come work for me, but my deal is if I don't like you after six months, I can fire you, um, but you have to commit to me to work for two years. <laughs> and so I went, and uh, she was a fantastic judge, a fantastic person to work for. And once I was in San Jose working uh, for a federal man- magistrate, um, I just did tons and tons of different kinds of IP cases. Mm, mm. Uh, and I really, uh, I was already pretty sure that was what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but that just cemented it for me. Right. So tell me a little bit about, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned that you've done a lot of different IP cases. Do you have a certain area that you like more than others? Tell me a little about that. So uh, that's a, that, that's a kind of a hard question to answer in some ways. The things that I really like doing, um, and I've done a lot of are where there's really uncertain gray areas in law. Hmm. Um, particularly I was lucky enough to be working in the early days of the internet when someone didn't know if you could sell a duck on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, somebody didn't know if, if, you know, particular types of online activity were lawful or unlawful or what the safe harbors were. And I litigated a lot of those cases and I helped companies, uh, craft strategies with a notion that these issues could be litigated. Mm. Those are great cases. They're super fun. Mm. Um, the other areas are really uh, tend to be a little bit more in the infotech and tech space um, historically. Um, and normally they're uh, really about people and companies who are changing the world. Mm. Um, I've represented a lot of really big companies and really big global disputes. And those are super fun and interesting, but uh, there really is nothing better than when you have a major case and a founder of a company throws their arms around you and says, I think you just saved my company. Mm-hmm. Well, can you give me a couple highlights or a couple cases or trials or anything that really kind of leap out into your mind when you think about your career? Well, I mean, one of the ones that I think, you know, people kind of know me for is I was very involved in uh, the Facebook uh, case against the Winklevoss brothers. Mm. Um, And they made it into a movie and, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. And that was a fascinating case because you had this uh, uh, basically an entrepreneur who was on this hockey stick of growth that was unprecedented. And even over the most ministerial issue that would happen in court, I'd walk outside and there would just be millions of reporters shoving <laughs> cameras in my face saying, you know, we heard there was a motion to seal today. Are you trying to hide something from the public? <laughs> and, you know, things like this, which were, you know, in litigation, they're kind of ordinary course things. Um, or that, because of the publicity. Yeah, just because of the publicity, because of the the the, the, the kind of interest that people had around the company. Um, and you were representing in that case? I represented Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, and Facebook in Got that it. case. Okay. Um, a lot of eBay's early cases and early matters about things that people were doing, uh, I was involved in. Uh, and uh, there was one case that I just I, I I'm always a huge fan of, and it's it's not quite as high profile here, but it was a fairly high profile case. Is there was a founder named uh, Joshua G. James who founded a company called Omniture and sold it to uh, Adobe, and he's the second most successful entrepreneur in the history of Utah. Mm. The 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 most successful one was the founder of Novell. He mm. was number two, mm. um, and he's now founded a new company. And when he founded a new company, Adobe uh, sued him and and put the company's life in jeopardy. And he has been 
um, a tremendous supporter of mine in, in, in ways that I very much appreciate, but uh, just because he's a very colorful and outgoing guy, and he's very appreciative of the fact that his new company, Domo, which is a, uh, a, a very successful infotech company, um, you know, that, it, that, that you know, he's a person who really feels like I helped give his company life. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I like I've handled a number of cases like that, but the, those are uh, those are some examples. Um, how has your practice kind of evolved? I mean, is it pretty much state? Is your practice today still pretty varied? Or tell me a little about how maybe it's evolved over the years. Yeah, so uh, that's a good question. So I mean, there was a time period where everyone and their brother was doing anti-patent troll work, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I, I did a lot of those things. But I I kind of made a conscious decision uh, that doing that kind of work exclusively or even substantially was probably not the most exciting way to, to practice law. So um, it ebbs and flows. There are times where 100% of my cases will be global patent disputes in the International Trade Commission, in district court, um, in foreign courts all over the place, uh, and and for large publicly traded companies. Uh, I I still do a good amount of that kind of work, uh, but uh, one of the things that I've really made a conscious effort to change is, is I really view myself as a lawyer who goes to court on hard technology stuff. Mm. And um, really, I think the currency when, um, when people are looking at me is, is they, they really – when they have somebody that they need to go to court on or at least need to be prepared to do so, uh, that, that they're – um, looking to me to be a person that can go and deal with these hard technology disputes that are in court activities, mm. um, and uh, and and I do a lot of that kind of work. So what that means is, is while at times I might do 100% patent cases uh, today, and the way that the market's developing, I do a significant amount of patent cases, but also a pretty large number of trade secret, employee mobility, and commercial disputes, as well as again that's kind of weird internet stuff where. Um, there's not really a lot of clear rules and there's some uncertain legal principles. Well, even though you weren't an engineer, do you find that you really like the technology stuff? I mean, what, how does that comp- – is that something that really interests you? <laughs> yes. I mean, I – you know, I love the struggle <laughs> um, in, in a sense of uh, – I think some legal concepts are very complicated and hard to explain to people, um, to jurors or even to judges at times because the, the framework is, is complex. And that same challenge exists in technology. And I really feel like if I, if I go through the struggle to understand what is the technology and how it works um, and, uh, and, and what is the positions we want to take with respect to it, that, uh, that other people actually feel that. They feel like I've made it more accessible to them. And they, the, the little bit of struggle that I've faced, they, they actually appreciate the fact that, that you know, what I'm putting them through in trial, that, they're, that, 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 that I've been through that. What's the most complicated technology you've ever had to try to understand? Most complicated technology I've tried to understand. Or had to understand, I guess I should say. Yeah, well, it's probably a little bit of both. Um, there are two in the recent past that I can think of. Mm. Um, one was a case where um, I was retained to deal with the chemical construction of lithium-ion batteries. So oh, interesting. In lithium-ion batteries, you have these powders, and they literally look like gunpowder or sugar, you know, various things like that. But the chemical composition of them differs very, very substantially. And um, not only what the subtle differences mean and why these different components 
uh, of these powders are important, but how hard it is to manufacture it on a consistent basis. Mm. Like you hear about batteries blowing up and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. It's because people don't get a consistent output on the manufacturing. The, the science behind that and how you deal with these things is really complicated. I went up to Cornell to deal with an expert and uh, I really felt like I was walking into a scene of Star Trek because <laughs> they have these massive devices that go up to the ceiling that are put on these special platforms, and you literally get a spoonful of this powder and you put it inside. Wow. And uh, and they're these super powered microscopes. And the reason they're so secured is because any kind of noise, even if you bring a cell phone into the room, will distort what you're actually seeing on these you know mm. subatomic mm. particles you're looking mm. at. That mm. was hard. Mm. Uh, the other one that I think uh, is was wh- is was hard is a notion of um, integrated circuit design, is I guess what I would describe it as. Is <clears throat> what you do when you're building a chip today is is you don't develop a blueprint for a building. Instead, you um, you you develop a blueprint online, but then you have to test that blueprint to see if it works, um, and before you actually manufacture a chip. And the, the technology to do that kind of testing and explaining those concepts to people um, is tough. Yeah. Um, it's, it can be it can be a uh, it it the, 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 the it is hard, and it's one of the few uh, kind of electrical and infotech areas where almost everyone you deal with is a dual PhD, right, in, right. in electrical engineering and computer science. What about um, you must work with a lot of younger lawyers. What kind of advice do you give to younger lawyers who want to get into IP or want to become trial lawyers? What kind of advice do you give them? So the first thing I always tell people is they need to go to court. I'm amazed at how many young lawyers say they want to do litigation uh, or do trials where they've never actually just gone to court and sat in a courtroom. Hmm. So uh, in the Northern District of California, if you want to go to federal court – all of the judges publish what their calendars are for weeks. And so you can just go and sit in on Law in Motion. Uh, if there's jury trials, you can go and sit in on jury trials. If you go to San Jose Superior Court, every Monday in the misdemeanor calendar, there are going to be trials happening about drunk driving, about um, propositioning someone you shouldn't have, about uh, a bar fight and things like that. Mm. And I'm always interested to know when someone goes and witnesses these things, how do they feel about it? Hmm. Did they, what did they think people did well? What did they think people didn't do well? What hmm. did they think about how the judge asked questions? Um, what did they think about you know, the opening statements or, or closing arguments? Uh, those sorts of things. So that's one. Go to court. Um, two, I am a big fan of clerkships. I think clerkships are – a. if you want to be a litigator or a trial lawyer – Doing a district court or magistrate level clerkship is an enormously helpful thing. Mm. If you feel like you want to work on really strengthening your writing skills, an appellate court clerkship mm. is a great thing to do. Mm. Um, <clears throat> next one is uh, don't be offended by having to do grunt work. <laughs> um, I, I tell associates that Michelangelo used to say that a shape, uh, that a stone, has a shape waiting to come out of it. Mm. And document review is our stone. Mm. And there is some shape of a case that sits in those documents. And we shouldn't, like I hear people always say, oh, I hate document review. Oh, it's so boring. I don't think you know the story of what's going on in a case unless you really understand the those documents. documents. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of them. 
Um, and then the other one is, is you don't always have to try and get all of the experience at once, you know, to, to kind of get to a successful level in your career. There are a lot of component pieces and focusing on really becoming good at each of those component pieces will build a foundation that's helpful for your future. Of all the things that you do in litigation, you know, between the strategy part, the counseling part, the trial part, what's the part that you enjoy the most? Is it, is it the trial? Is it the strategy? What do you actually, all those things do you like the most? I love telling the narrative of innovation of, of my clients. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love putting founders. The number one thing that I think is the most fun thing to do is to have a founder of a company take the stand, either as a plaintiff or defendant, and tell the story of their company to a bunch of jurors mm-hmm. um, and to a judge. Um, I just there, there's n- n- no better way to have a public forum for someone to talk about with pride what they've actually done. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I love. Um, and I love being in court. Sounds like you really love what you do. Do you think you'll ever do anything else? Could you see yourself ever being an in-house lawyer or something else other than an outside trial lawyer? One of my side hobbies over 20 years ago was I did kind of the whose line is it anyway improv comedy stuff. Hmm. Um, enormously good training for, for litigation, hmm. strangely, because you have to be good on your feet. Yeah, right. Um, and I really miss that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if I do that as a career, but I, you know, I, it, other things in the future, you know, who knows right now I'm loving what I'm doing. Well, Neil, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. If you do end up doing, deciding to do something else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. That sounds great. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. This is Richard Shu and Neil Chatterjee. Thanks. Thanks.